Hello there, this is A.D. Robles, and you're listening to A.D. on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Alright, before we begin today, let me just say this. If you have purchased a copy of Social Justice Pharisees, Woke Church Tactics, and How to Engage Them, thank you very much. If you have not purchased a copy yet and you're very interested in doing so, or even if you're moderately interested in doing so, you can visit adrobles.com. That is A-D-R-O-B-L-E-S.com and get a copy today. Now, the the screenshot that I have here, uh, that's not how much the book costs. (laughs) The book is not $102.50. But what this is, is an auction that I have uh, started yesterday for... A copy that was returned to sendered to me. (laughs) I knew that some of these people that I was giving free books to would return them to me without opening them, but I was not expecting that the very first person to do this would be Jonathan Lehman. I thought Jonathan Lehman would read the book. I really did. If you you gave me uh, a choice of like five people that would actually read it, Jonathan would have been on that list, but instead it was returned to sender unopened. And so I thought, hey, let's just auction this bad boy off. And what we'll do with the proceeds is we will send even more copies of the book free to members of Big Eva who desperately, desperately need them. Now, you might remember Jonathan Lehman. The reason why he ended up on my list is he had an episode on cross politic with the brothers over there that was epic. And I actually quoted part of that episode in this book because what he said was so profoundly bizarre. Um... But anyway, so what I did was I signed the outside. I'll also sign the book uh, as well. And uh, so I'll have to pull it out of the original packaging. But I'll include the original packaging that was returned to sender to me. And uh, right now the bidding stands at $102.50 for this priceless piece of history. (laughs) Thank you guys for all of that. Like I said, all the proceeds will go to send more books out. Uh, So looking forward to doing that. I've sent out 29 books already. I have 21 left to go. Plus, I have a long list of people on the waiting list. So we'll see if we do more than, you know, 60. We'll see. Um, But anyway, so let's uh, let's jump into it today. So, yeah, if you want to purchase a copy of the book, adrobles.com, if you want to participate in this historic auction, then you can do that on eBay. (laughs) All right. All right. Let's uh, let's move on. Yesterday, uh, I put out a 50-minute video, and it was about this whole situation with um, some allegations in the Southern Baptist Convention of sexual abuse. Let's just call it rape because that's what it is. Um, and then also sort of the, the accusation, the allegations that those accusations of sexual abuse, uh, or at least the cover-up part of the sexual abuse, Um, Those allegations were false, and I played a 15-minute video of a pastor who was accused of helping to cover up uh, the sex abuse. Um, He's saying that it didn't happen, and he supposedly has receipts. He's got emails, he's got messages and stuff like that that prove that it didn't happen, Um, which, you know, we basically dissected that video, and we applied the scriptures and, you know, the law of God to that situation, and uh, allegedly— I don't know this to be true because, first of all, I don't trust Twitter, and second of all, I'm not on Twitter, but somebody sent me a screenshot of the woman making these allegations that the pastor alleges are false. 
And so allegedly, this is a response to my video. I don't know that to be true, but that's what this person says. And what she says is this. And I want to I talk about this because this is something you need to be prepared for. Um, because it sounds kind of good until you start thinking about it a little bit. Here's what she says. She says, let me be clear. Neither I nor my abusers or enablers of abuse deserve the death penalty. Justice is not killing. Justice is not destroying. Justice is holding people responsible through restitution, mercy, and truth. Justice benefits the soul of both the accused and the accuser. And, you know, the reality is here that I, I would have to agree that unless it's proven on the evidence of two or more witnesses, then nobody should get the death penalty. No question about it. And also, I don't believe in ex post facto laws. I think that's a very good thing in our Constitution. So, you know, you can't change the rules after the fact and then, you know, you know punish people according to something that wasn't at stake when they did the supposed crime. So I'm talking about what the law should be in the future. So I think, so I agree with that. However, where she says here, justice is not killing... Um, I disagree with that 100% because what, what's what's happening here is like this sounds really nice. Like justice is about mercy um, and, and no, it's not. <laughs> justice is not the same thing as mercy. In fact, justice is getting what you're owed, what you're due. And mercy is when somebody has some, some sympathy and some compassion on you and doesn't give you what you're due. We understand this because we understand that at the cross of Jesus Christ, a lot of people describe that as the place where justice and mercy meet. And that's true because, because justice was done against sin on Christ. Yet, at the same time, so justice is there. Christ, God is a just God, and, and, and Christ took the penalty of our sin upon himself, and justice was done in the person of Christ. But at the same time, mercy was had there because he was having mercy upon his people, the people that he died for. He was having mercy upon those people. Now, those that he did not die for, justice will still be done there, but there will be no mercy. And so if justice is mercy, according to what uh, this woman allegedly is saying, then there would be no, there, like, like mercy, like, like there would be no people that that go that are that are lost. I mean, you know, there, everyone would get mercy since justice is mercy. That's not that's not correct. That's not correct. Justice is not mercy. Now, what I do agree with though is that I believe that the scripture, in many cases, not all, by the way, in many cases, gives the victim of the crime the option of having mercy. So the victim could say. For whatever reason, I'm not sure why the victim would want to do this, but there, I could, I, I guess, I could see some reasons where they want to have mercy and they don't want to have the full weight of the law thrown against the person. I could see something like this happen. Let's say, um, like some petty crime, like a, like a, like someone stole a loaf of bread because his family was starving. Like you still shouldn't do that if your family's starving. You still can't steal. Like we get that, but. I could see someone like stealing from me because their family is starving. And then so I could um, force them to pay me back with interest because that's what the law of God says. That's what restitution is in the case of stealing. It's paying back and then some. I could foresee myself saying, you know what? Like, look, don't do this again. If you need something, just ask. 
no penalty. I, I don't want to press charges. Like the scripture oftentimes gives you the right to do that. There are certain crimes, though, that the scripture I don't think gives you the right to do that. In fact, uh, one of them I mentioned yesterday, where God specifically says, "Your eye shall not pity." Like there are there are certain things that the scripture specifically says you will have no mercy on this. You can't tolerate this kind of a crime, this kind of a sin, and so. We need to draw from the scripture, you know, a little bit more in depth about what that is. But, but yeah, mercy is at play for a Christian. If they want to provide uh, a mercy, I could see that being the case. There's victim rights here, you know what I mean, in, when it comes to the scripture. Um, but, but yeah, no, I think, I think that the, the reality is, though, that, that I'm, I'm way more anti-rape than many, many Christians. And I would urge you to join me on this, because God takes rape supremely seriously. In the scripture, it actually says, treat a case of rape as if it's a case of murder. He specifically says that. So we have to have a very high, high view of the sanctity of somebody's own, own body. Like if somebody, um, you know, you know, you know, uh, victimizes someone or, 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 or just, you know, look, <laughs> rape is a serious crime. It ought to be treated more seriously than it is. And I'm not sorry for that, and that's what the scripture says. And in that case, in the case of rape, God says that restitution means you give up your life if you rape somebody. And that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. And so I don't expect people to be very pleased with that. I don't expect people who even name the name of Christ to be pleased with that. That's what the Word of God says. I'm not sorry about that. I accept it. I don't have any other choice. I'm the creature here. You know what I mean? I'm the creature. He's the creator. What choice do I have? You know, I'm not trying to be nicer than God is. You know, that's 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 my position. So, um, you know, listen, you know, if if this woman allegedly doesn't think that what her abusers did to her was worthy of the death penalty, I mean, that she's up to she, she can have her opinion. I'm just saying what God is saying in the scripture, which he definitely does. Uh, in the scripture, it's very clear, and um, I'm not sorry about that. So let's uh, let's move on to something more fun. Russell Moore. Oh, yeah. Little Russell Moore. Uh, I guess, is he Presbyterian now? Th- th- that's what I keep hearing. I keep hearing that he, he, tr- he changed to be Presbyterian, which, you know, I can't say that I'm upset about that, although it does seem somewhat unstable. <laughs> but... Um, but anyway, let's uh, let's watch this video. This should be good. Let me make sure I've got my headset correct. All right. Let's do this. The Apostle Paul writes to the people of God and says, if let's, you uh, let's speed this up because, you know, who's got time to really listen to Russell Moore? <laughs> All right been transformed if you've really been brought in by this gospel then that's going to change the way that you see things including the way that you see yourself in relation to other people and that means that really what we're dealing with here are three questions and there are three questions that could not be more relevant in the kind of American society that we are in right now that is riddled with division, riddled with racism, riddled with injustice. I'll tell you right now, this riddled- picture here looks pretty racist. We've got, we've got the great white savior here, Russell Moore, uh, speaking and, and standing in an authoritative posture. And then we've got a black man, a noble, beautiful black man, 
and he's being forced to sit at the feet of the white man here. And I have to say that this is typical. It's absolutely typical in the SBZ. <laughs> often with hatred for one another and often infected with a kind of, of racism and a kind of racial animosity that is more subtle than it would have been at other points in American history, mm -hmm. yeah. which means it could be even more dangerous. Well, of course. I mean, that, that, that's this is the... <laughs> Of course, the things that uh, that are more subtle are always more dangerous. You know what I mean? That's how it works. Like, the less you can see it, the less obvious it is, the more dangerous it is. And uh, he's got about seven minutes to explain that. But, you know, makes sense to me. Let's, let's hear him out. <laughs> I just noticed. Look at this guy. I can't even believe it. He's just like, he's just like, oh, man. Man, this white guy, man, he's, he's tripping, man. This guy tripping. <laughs> What would you rather have? I agree, man. I, that that image right there, that image right there. This is this is how I felt when I heard that. Hold on, let's find it. Let's find it. Dangerous. There it is. It's even more dangerous when you can't see it. And this guy's over here like, oh. <laughs> brother, I feel you, man. That's exactly how I felt. <laughs> what would you rather have? A cancer that you know about, or a cancer that is undetectable because it's hidden? See, this is the amazing part about this, right? Because Let's take a step back here. So what would you rather have, a cancer that you know about or a cancer that's undetectable, that it's hidden, right? And, um, you know, to be honest, I think a lot of people would not want to know that they had cancer. <laughs> I think a lot of people like that. But his point is that, you know, it's more dangerous if you don't take care of it, right? And I, I think that's a valid point. You know, if you don't know that you have high blood pressure, but you do, you still have it. And it's and you're not doing anything about it because you don't know you have it. Um, but... But here's the thing, though, like, it's not that it's undetectable, it's that it takes a certain kind of person to be able to detect it, right? Like, I might not be able to tell I have high blood pressure, but if you get a nurse or a doctor to put the cuff on and to do the, you know, do the, the blood pressure thing, they'll be able to detect it. So you need to basically what, he's, what, 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 what this example is saying, you need a trained person to tell you what what's going on like you need a doctor and he'll be able to tell you you have cancer right you won't be able to tell on your own because you're not trained you don't have the tools you don't have the knowledge whatever it is so you know Vodi Bakum is is famous for for coming up with the term ethnic Gnosticism which I think you know in theological circles that's very meaningful and you know we understand what the Gnostics were all about you know, they, you needed to be one of them in order to know the secrets. Like, you, you couldn't know anything unless you were, you know, in the secret club. And, and, you know, so that's what this is what he's talking about here, ethnic Gnosticism. So, like, like you need to be an expert on racism to tell that it's actually there. And you can only tell that it's actually there if you join the secret club group. And then you'll be able to know it's there. It's undetectable otherwise. You know, it's like, like you know, it also could be undetectable because it's not there. That, that's also possible. Like, like. Just because I don't know I have can just because I don't think I have cancer doesn't mean I have cancer that's a secret undetectable cancer. It could also be the case that I actually don't have cancer. But here's the trick though. I don't like the term ethnic gnosticism. I don't like it because not everybody knows what a gnostic is, right? Not everybody understands the term ethnic gnosticism. So I prefer just ethnic wizards or maybe ethnic sorcerers, right? Because Everybody understands what a wizard is. A wizard is a person who pretends to have magical powers, 
but doesn't. And he can, but he can dazzle you with his words, and he, you know, he he can he can kind of distract you. And so we all understand that magic isn't real, at least not the way it's performed in you know in, in, on stage. We understand that it's it's a wizard spell. It's like the Wizard of Oz. Like he, you know, he he had these 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 projections of himself and a booming voice, but really he's just a man behind a curtain, and he's just like everybody else. Like this is ethnic wizardry. Russell Moore is an ethnic wizard. He might be one of the like the high priests ethnic wizards. Maybe he's not the highest priest, but he's a high level ethnic wizard. Let's let's behold the wizardry of Russell Moore. The sorcery even. In the middle of all of that, the word of God asks these three questions. Here comes the wizardry. I I, I like I haven't seen this, but I'm pretty sure he's about to twist some scripture. Let, let's find out. And the first question is this: what is the gospel? Paul says, I want you to know that I received something. I didn't make it up. I received something from Jesus on the road to Damascus, and that is what I am handing over to you. The mystery, something that God is revealing that explains everything else in the entire universe. He says, and the mystery is this, that Jew and Gentile are part of one body. The Jewish people, the people of God, going back centuries, and the nations are part of one family, one body. Now, let me interpret something for my fellow white people in the room, who sometimes, unfortunately, when we read a passage like this, assume that the Jewish people are the white people, and the Gentiles are everybody else. (laughs) I was, I was not. (laughs) I was not expecting that. Oh man! Wow. I, I, (laughs) you know, you do this kind of thing long enough. I've been doing this for what four years now, three years now. You know, and and you get to the point where you start thinking, you know, you know, you've heard it all. You know, I, I usually I can predict what's about to be said before it's said. But I have to be honest with you guys. This is another historic occasion. I wasn't. Ex- I've never heard that before. So, so apparently, there's these people walking around out there. When they hear Jew and Gentile, they interpret that as I'm the Jew, so I'm white, and the Gentiles are like blacks, Latinos, Asians, and so on. Um. <laughs> This, this is how sorcery works. This is this is the wizard spell, because yeah, the gospel yeah brings you know it's one man, it's a Jew and Gentile coming together. This is beautiful. This is a mystery. We 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 understand this is a, a, a very very amazing uh, truth about the Lord uh, Jesus Christ and the unity that He brings to the church, and He died for His people, and and there's Gentiles, there's Jews. We get it. Like that's beautiful. We love that. But then the wizard goes and says, yeah, and then, then there's all these people. That way, nobody think white people are the Jews. No, there isn't. No, there isn't. There actually are black people who think that the Jews were black, and they think that everybody else is uh, is is evil. <laughs> there, there, there actually are cults that believe that. But uh, yeah, I don't think so, uh, little Russ Moore. There are no white people here. 
Look it up. Look it up, please. Why is he sitting? There aren't a lot of people here. <laughs> what is this? He's just sitting there like a little, like a little chipmunk. There aren't no white people here. What is? He, we can see how proud of himself he is as well because he realizes he just he did. This is like this is probably what the Wizard of Oz looked like behind the curtain when someone would come in and grovel at his feet because that's what everyone's doing here. They're groveling at the wizard's feet, and the Wizard of Oz is probably just like he looks like a little rat too, don't you think? This is what rats do. Hey, there ain't a lot of people here. Like, he, he didn't make any point, though, because nobody ever thought that there were white people here. Nobody. <laughs> there ain't no white people here. The gospel is starting here in the Middle East, is going out into Africa. It's going to be a while before it gets to Britain. So when we're talking about Jew and Gentile, we're talking about the fact that all of us just about in this room are those who are the newcomers who have been grafted on to the people of God. Yeah, we all, all already here. knew that. <laughs> we, I can't tell you how many sermons that I've, uh, I've heard about how grateful that they, that they are, that the pastor is, and, and that, 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 that we're in the time of the Gentiles because otherwise we wouldn't be part of this. You know, very few of us have Jewish uh, ancestry. Very, very few of us. In fact, I would argue that the Jews have been judicially hardened, and the Jews have been hardened, and eventually they're going to be made jealous by the fact that the Gentiles uh, are, are the people of God, and they're going to come back. I think there's a great, uh, a great conversion of the Jews that we have ahead of us, and I look forward to that, because right now, if you look at how the Jews uh, behave and what they what they're like um, and how they how they react to Jesus like it's disgusting and it makes me really angry. You know I, I don't I, you know, I don't think I've ever told this story, but you know I had a friend and this was a friend of mine and he, he was a very non-religious Jew and for some reason though like he just had this unreasonable hatred. Of Jesus, and and I think that this is something that God has done to the Jews. He he has this he has this unreasonable just like he hated Christ, but he didn't he wasn't religious like he didn't really even know anything about uh, Judaism for the most part or even Christianity. But he just had this unreasonable hatred towards Christ and Christians. And this you know I, I knew him before I was like you know like a, an actual Christian you know I had a Christian upbringing but I I didn't come to Christ until later but he had this unreasonable hatred towards Christ and I I never understood it now um, I've had a lot of interactions with Jewish people and I've had a lot of interactions with Muslims and a lot of other religions and you know to be perfectly honest with you and this is just a fact. Like the Muslims, as much as they uh, are committing idolatry by not worshiping Christ, um, they have a much more respectful attitude towards Christ than Jewish people do. It's just is that is that just that simple? Um, and so, like n nobody has believed what Russell Moore is saying here because we all understand that if uh, the this if if the covenant was reserved only for Jews, that we'd be out. We don't have that kind of ancestor. I look forward to the conversion of the Jews that the Scripture promises. I believe that the Scripture promises that. So this is a wizard spell, also known as lying, so that he can look so good. <laughs> ethnic says, wizardry. What do you think is better, ethnic sorcery or ethnic wizardry? I think wizardry.
you to know that these people, the long-standing people of God and the new-coming people of God, are all part of one body. That is the mystery of the gospel. And what the good news of the gospel is, is that God takes heaven and earth and reconciles heaven to earth. God takes God and man and reconciles God to man. And God takes people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language and reconciles them to one another. Why? Because he is giving us a project that's going to take trillions and trillions and trillions of years that he has given to us together. Now, one of the things that tends to come... Trillions and trillions and trillions of years... Alexa, how many zeros are in a trillion? Trillion is the one with 12 zeros after it. 12 zeros. Yeah, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I don't know what he's You know, I, what I have noticed about wizards, though, is they tend to try to blow your mind with math and numbers and things that are incomprehensible. Like, that's a very common trait of wizards. Like, I think that NASA employs a lot of wizards. I mean, I'm just calling it like it is. I've done video content about this. So um, I, I think that NASA, the space agency, engages in a lot of wizardry. And they blow your mind with these numbers that are incomprehensible. Like, and, and let's just face trillions and trillions and tri tr Most people can't comprehend... A, what a trillion is. Usually we, when we talk about trillions, we're talking about how much money the Federal Reserve has printed in that uh, particular year. But trillions of years, what, what is he talking about? I don't know, but I think he's just trying to blow your mind with his wizard spell. Come he's up. a wizard. Is any time that we start talking about issues of race and issues of what it means to be a reconciled body, there are always going to be people starting to get uncomfortable about that. And they're going to say, why do we have to talk about that? That's so hard and that's so difficult and it could be a distraction. Let's instead just concentrate on the gospel. And we'll talk about this. I recognize that tendency because when I was first starting out in ministry, just right down the road here in Biloxi, Mississippi, there was a young woman who came to see me and she said, What a racist. I want to be baptized. And I said, okay, well, before we talk, why do you want to be baptized? And she said, well, you know, when I was a baby, I was baptized at this church, and then a little bit later, I was baptized at that church, and then I was baptized over here at this uh, cult group, and then when I was 11, I was baptized over here at this other group of uh, this other religion, and she said, I've got all of these baptisms, and she said, the way I look at it, nobody knows which of these religions is right, and so I just want to make sure that if there's a God, that I've got all of these things covered. I said, okay, well, that's not what I'm here to do. So I started talking to her about what the gospel was, about what sin is, about what repentance is, about what faith in Jesus Christ is. And she said, well, wait, 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 before you go any further, she said, let me just tell you what the, what the deal I'm looking for is. She said, the deal I'm looking for is I wanna be able to get drunk every weekend, smoke a little bit of weed, have sex with my boyfriend and go to heaven. I'm going to mark this one as did not happen. <laughs> this did not happen. At least not in this way. 
I'm sure that maybe she was doing all those things and still wanted to be able to be a Christian. But I don't know about that. I think this is slightly embellished, which is pretty typical for a wizard. And I said, The Wizard of Oz didn't have a gigantic green head either, but, you know, didn't stop him. The Bible says that's the deal that everybody's looking for. (laughs) Romans chapter 3, but it's not a deal that leads you to heaven. Because we come before God on God's terms, not on ours. What she wanted to say is, let's not talk about my sin, because that's a distraction from what I really want to talk about, which is going to heaven. She said, let's not talk about what it means to take up the cross and to follow Jesus, because that's a distraction from what I really want to talk about, which is getting on with my life. So you see, the wizard spell here is that basically if you don't if you reject their socialist, you know, critical race theory ideas of race, then you're basically essentially saying, I want to sin. Because I reject critical race theory and the nonsense about systemic, you know, white guilt and stuff like that. If you reject that, then that's tantamount to saying I want to get drunk and have sex and, you know, you know, and still go to heaven. That's the wizard spell that he just cast upon you. Now, in this audience, we're obviously immune to that kind of a spell. But in this audience, where they're all sitting at his little feet, you know, and they think that this is somehow an acceptable position for a, for a man... <laughs> They, they fall for this kind of stuff. He's, this is quite a spell. In the same way that Cain would say to God, let's not talk about where Abel is. That's a distraction from what I really want to talk about. God doesn't care what you want to talk about. What God has said is the mystery of the gospel is a gospel that says to us that the way we have chosen for ourselves is a way that is going to lead us to a place that is going to be miserable for us. And when the scripture speaks to these issues of racism, of being, as the scripture calls it, a respecter of persons, this is not simply some social issue. This is not simply some political issue. This is an issue that speaks right to us in the very core of our hearts and says, are you going to be someone who idolizes your identity, which means idolizes and worships yourself, to the exclusion of other people, because if you are, what you are saying to God is, I will follow Jesus as long as I do not have to repent of this area of my life. Jesus doesn't do that. Right. I mean, I I would agree with that last sign. That's why I, I don't agree with... Um, you know the the these black groups that are that are excluding whites because you know whites oppress us and stuff like that. I would and you, by the way, you don't have to just be idolizing your own skin. Uh, you can also be idolizing someone else. I believe that Russell Moore and many in the SBC literally worship white people. I'm not joking about that. Or I'm sorry, black people. I'm not joking about that. I think many, including Russell Moore, worship white uh, black people. Oh, I keep saying white. Russell Moore worships black people. And the reason I know that is because he 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 considers so so when I, when I when I consider what I should be doing and how I should be acting, uh, what I attempt to do is consider what God would have me do. So I go to the Scripture, I figure it out, and go from there. Russell Moore doesn't do that. Russell Moore doesn't do that. He thinks what we need to hear is not the voice of God. We need to hear black voices in order to decide how we organize, who we hire, how we do things. We need black voices. In there, and I, I think that's 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 a sign that you worship black voices. And the truth is that that 
that many people take their cues on how to handle race and the morality of how to handle race from black people. Really, it's white liberals, but black people are also sharing this rather than looking to the scripture. And that's what my book does. It says, look, I'm against racism. We're all against racism. What does the scripture say to do in this whole situation? If you want to purchase a copy of this book, please consider doing so. Social Justice Pharisees, Woke Church Tactics, and How to Engage Them. The first half talks about these kinds of wizard spells that we just went over. The second half are is five Bible verses that directly address all of the concerns of the Woke Church movement. And instead of worshiping black people or white liberals or, you know, whatever, we should be worshiping God and doing what he says. That's the whole uh, point of life. That's the whole reason God created men. He wanted us to fear God and keep his commandments. Anyway, I hope you found this podcast helpful. God bless. Don't forget to tune in next week on Thursday for AD on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network.